0: I want to read a passage from the book of Acts. Uh, t- today's text is actually from chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 11, but I want to just read verse 8, which is in your program. Uh, it's hard to actually read, but it's beautiful design, though. I mean, isn't it? Uh, you got to like read like, eh, like that. So, but I want to read from the book, uh, Acts 1, this well known passage, right? Verse 8. <clears throat> but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Recently, I uh, heard this expression twice from KM members, uh, similar to what Andy shared today. Uh, Pastor Ken, I'm so grateful that I belong to this body of Christ, the body of Christ. When I heard them twice in different occasions, I got encouraged that's as a pastor I really really oh you know thank you for sharing that uh, you know I believe the church is the most uh important uh, entity in the world most important body uh do you know why uh, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor but uh, <laughs> you love laugh, right <laughs> uh, because uh, at church we offer our praise and worship. You know, we were created to worship God. We are called to be a worshipers. Like, like you know, daily lives, we have to worship God, right? Not only on Sunday, but Monday through you know Saturday, every single day we have to worship God. But as a flock, as, as a body of Christ, you know, on Lord's Day we gather together and we Offer our worship, right? I think it's so essential for Christian living because with that, I I believe the weekday starts. You know what I'm talking about? So uh, we can get recharged, reset, or realigned so that we can go out and live as worshipers. That's why cooperative worship is so important. Don't you think? That's why I believe the Body of Christ is most important organization or entity in the world. And if we can be true church, that what church ought to be, uh, this land that we, we we stand on, this land will be blessed because of you guys, because of worshipers. That's how I see it. There was a farmer who, uh, who lived with his wife on old ranch that they owned for many years, uh, barely making a living. All the while beneath the barren, dusty, uncultivated land was a rich supply of oil. While digging a well, water well the farmer discovered that he has a rich supply of oil. So he and his wife enjoyed life of rich blessings after they discovered the oil. The farmer said, come to think of it, we live here all this year without knowing how rich we were. I believe many Christians are like the farmer. They go through their days barely hanging on to their spiritual lives. While beneath the surface, the power of God is manifested. Part power of God is ready to break through in their lives. Starting from today, uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually st- the starting sermon series on the book of Acts. I was kind of calculated, and it probably will take me a year and a couple months to cover the whole book of Acts. So I was a little bit hesitant should I do this or not? <laughs> But you know, I think it was God's kind of uh, calling for our KME to start the start of this uh, Book of Acts. So today is more of introduction uh, through this Book of Acts. This is my prayer. I want us to know how powerful church can be, how abundant blessings that we already have as a church. The book of Acts contains 28 chapters, and this is how it begins. In my former book, which book is he talking about? Deophilus is a recipient. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to the heaven. Author is a Luke, the physician Luke. In the the former book, he mentions about the book of Luke, gospel Luke. And this is the second book, Book of Acts. is written by, of course, the Holy Spirit, but through the physician name Luke. Who is this recipient, Theophilus? No one knows. But uh, Bible scholars mention that they say he is a relative of Roman Empire. He's holding maybe highest one of the you know, uh, position. Anyhow, uh, Look, Lord, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. You know, when I meditate this expression, that really touched me. Because Jesus, our Lord, He not only taught us, but He showed us right, through His lifestyle. That's why He can be so powerful. And we are His disciples. And until the day He was taken up to heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to apostle, He has chosen. See, He began both Do and teach. You know, book of Acts contains 28 chapters, but it doesn't end at verse chapter 28. Still is being written by church. Who is church? You are the church, right? We are church. So we are still writing book of Acts chapter 29. It will continue until we will see our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, uh, I want us to hear from Luke the important foundational principle about church. I want to talk about four quick points. Uh, Church's message, church's might, church's mission, and church's motivation. Let's talk about church's message. What is church's message, by the way? What is your message? If you consider yourself as a church, what is your message? Let's go back. Uh, we haven't read the passage, but this is verse 3. Uh, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. What is the message of a church? That he was alive. That's the message. Resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. Indeed, he is risen. You know, that was the message of early church brothers and sisters. And that is a message for us. It says, gave many convincing proofs. He wants stretched out that, you know, resurrection story is based on historical fact. That's what Luke wants to stretch out. He he shared many things. You know, he didn't show himself to disciples only once. If that happened, people think, hey, you know what? I I kind of missaw him. It was a hallucination. It wasn't really Jesus. But he appeared to disciples many different occasions, many different times during the 40 days. And not only that, he appeared to them and spoke about the kingdom of God. They heard him. Jesus was talking to them. Not only that, they touched him. Remember Thomas? He wasn't there when the disciples were gathered. So he said, you know, you know, this, you know the other friends were saying, we saw Jesus, we, we met risen Christ. Thomas was, I don't buy that. I don't believe in that. Unless I touched him, I'm going to believe him. Jesus appeared to Thomas again. He said, touch me. Why don't you come and touch me? So they touched him. Not only they saw him, not only they heard him, not only they touched him, they ate the meal together. Food were disappearing. I think that was fascinating to the disciples. That's why they were actually mentioning in chapter eight, 1 and chapter 10, we ate together with Jesus Christ. Not only that, think about this. You know, disciples, they got dramatic life-changing, right? They were very f- afraid to follow Jesus because when the Roman soldiers captured Jesus, right? Remember that? I mean, they were chickens in a way. But all of a sudden, they became so bold, soldiers of Christ. What happened to them? They met Jesus risen Christ, the encounter with Christ, one who rised from the the dead. Throughout the centuries, many attempt to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but none of them has ever been successful. In fact, oftentimes the ones who attempt to disprove, they got convinced by the evidence and having become Christians. He is a living Savior. That's the message of the church. We have to share the message to others. Jesus showed himself, manifested himself to a person named Saul. He was actually on his way to Damascus. Damascus road to persecuting the Christians. He met risen Christ. He became evangelist. And God changed his name, Saul, to Paul, little one. He became a very humble man of God. He showed himself to a guy named uh, Robert Thomas. Do you know who Robert Thomas is? He was the first missionary who came to to, uh, Korea. He was only 29. Can you believe that? That young age? But first missionary, he landed his foot on the land of Korea, but he got beheaded. He wanted to hand his, you know, the translated Chinese Bible to these Korean brothers and sisters. But soldiers just kick his hands. Before he got beheaded, he wanted to, hey, can you just take this Bible? I've been praying for this Bible for you guys. They just kick his hands. That's how the gospel began in Korea, Land of Korea. Why did he go to Korea at that young age? Do you know the person named uh, Grand Horace Underwood? He was the first mission, Presbyterian missionary, sent from U.S. to Korea. Fourth generation of Underwood family, they stay in Korea. Listen to the fourth generation you know, thought, hey, I think Korea has enough gospel. (laughs) So they withdrew themselves. What about Henry Apangelo? He was the first Methodist missionaries. I mean, what happened? God appeared, God himself appeared to them as a risen Christ. Do you know who have a first uh, missionary from Korea after the Korean War, attending our church? Some of you guys know know him, right? Dr. Choi, uh, Chan Choi, is 94 years old. I played with him ping pong last week. He hit 126 rally straight, still strong, like a shock. He met risen Christ. What about Eugene Choi? Do you know Eugene Choi? Mr. Sunshine? <laughs> He's a you know real character. He's not 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 you know in the. The drama, K okay, drama, but actually he was a real, real character. What about Eugene Chu? You know him, right? He's our intern pastor, right? <laughs> you know, what about you guys? Of course, we met risen Christ. Otherwise, you wouldn't sit here. You know why you are here? Because you met risen Christ. That's the message we have. Christ is risen. He became our ultimate hope. That's why we boldly go around and preach this message. Why would we waste our time if that wasn't the historical fact, if we don't believe in buy into this message, Christ has risen from the dead. Therefore, whatever you think it is, death, like there's no hope. Whatever that it is, Jesus can resurrect it. He can rise. Even dead things that you think, that is dead. Because we're living, we are believing the living Christ. God is alive. That's the message. What about uh, church's might? What is church's might? What is church's strength? It is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what verse 4 and 5 says. So one, one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Church church strength is the power of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus promised to the church, his disciples, they received the Holy Spirit. Right? What about you guys? What about us? We have received the Holy Spirit. The moment you gave your life to Christ, the moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit comes in you, right? Many early church members, they didn't know that. That's why Paul has to like, assure them, don't you know that you are God's temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in you? Don't you know that? Some of them didn't know that. That's why Paul has to assure them. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit dwells in you. Therefore, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. That's what Christian life ought to be. You are the church. You are the church. Church's strength is the Holy Spirit. The passage that we read, I want to read once again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus told his disciples that they must wait upon the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The word translated the power here is the Greek word dynamis. The Greek word dynamis entered the English language when the Swedish chemistry and engineer named Alfred Nobel made a discovery that became his fortune. He discovered a power stronger than anything that the world had known up to that time. He asked, a friend of his, who was a Greek scholar, what the word for explosive power? What's explosive in Greek? His friend answered, "Dynamis." Dynamis. Nobel said, "Well, I'm going to call it explosive power dynamite." Dynamite. You know, Holy Spirit has that explosive power. That's why church's might has to be the Holy Spirit. So if we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be what God wants us to be. True church. Genuine church. Not fake church, but real church. When I planned a church uh, 20 years ago with young people, we used to call them LA home church. Because I felt like many young people left home. So they need to come back. So we name our church Home Church. That's why we have, you know, THMC, H stands for actually home, spiritual home, where, where people belong. And remember, I was cleaning up uh, church, like, a couple of years by myself because I was so, it was so delightful thing to do. Every Saturday, I clean up the church, but I had a problem with cleaning up the bathroom because I had a weak stomach. Like, but, I've been praying, Lord. But after I encountered this story, there was a young man who was assigned to clean up the bathroom. He had a weak stomach, so he asked, Lord, Lord, help me. Please help. You know, God appeared to him and spoke to him. I will help you. I will do it. I will do the bathroom cleanup. He was so relieved. Thank you, God. But you know, when God speaks, You got to hear him complete sentence. He was saying, I will do it through you. (laughs) He he missed the second part. (laughs) You know, I think that's a very powerful statement. God will do it through you, through the church. We have to do everything. I mean literally everything through him who strengthens us. Don't try anything with your own strength because you will fail. Brother and sister, you will fail 100%. Just depend on the Holy Spirit. They rely on Him. That's the church's mind. Third point, church's mission. What is church's mission? Simply to put, establishment of the kingdom. When you look at the text today, so when they met together, they asked Him, Lord, are you. At this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel. You know, back back in the minds of the disciples, they always thought about kingdom of God. Because they were expecting Messiah who's gonna appear and cast out all this, drive out all these Romans. Because their lands were occupied by these Romans. So when the Messiah comes, he's gonna just kick them out. And he's gonna build the kingdom, establish the kingdom of David. And we'll reign the land with our Messiah. You know, disciples thought that way. They were kept pointing their fingers. This Jesus build your kingdom here. Sometimes we, we do that. Do you know that? Sometimes ch- as a church member, we ch- insist, God build your kingdom here. No, no, no. But Jesus is pointing his finger to the heaven. No, no. I want to build my kingdom to evangelize everyone with the gospel, with the love of Christ. Therefore, Jesus commands us to make disciples because that's the only strategy to build his kingdom. Sam James Bruce. Are you familiar with these names? Mm. Sam J. Bruce. To me, they are precious brothers that I, whom I met during my college year. Freshman of my college, I shared gospel presentation to Sam. He sincerely received the word, and I remember still vividly that he was saying, Ken, thank you for sharing this. Can you share exactly the same to my friend? Because he got so inspired. And he sincerely accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So I share exactly the same message to his friend. But his friend said, what is this? I don't understand. I don't take it. Same message, but Sam responded differently, sincerely. He became a Christian. We spent like, like, four, like three to four months in Bible study. One day he came to me on the campus. He handed over me the, the, the paper. There was a do list and don't list. He said, Ken, you know, I've been studying the Bible. God was keep telling me. So I decide to follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So I came up with this list and I just wanted to have it. He just handed it to me. So I said, Oh, okay. You know, it's not about you know do and don'ts, so, you know, but that's okay. I take it. And I took it, the sheet of paper. Same night. I had a night class. On the way, I, w- I was walking toward the parking, parking lot. I was so happy that day. I was so overwhelmed. I remember I was walking. I-, I couldn't handle this overwhelmed joy that I had. So I just kneeled down on the campus. I didn't care if people see you know, sees me or not. I just kneeled down and offered this prayer. Lord, if disciple-making ministry is this exciting, exciting matter, This joyful matter, I really want to give my life for this. I was only a freshman in college. I wasn't a pastor, I wasn't a missionary, anything. I was just a follower of Jesus Christ. I met Bruce, I met Jay. We spent time together, you know, encourage them, in charge them, do the memorization together. We were doing the Bibles together, go to evangelism together. We want to be like Jesus Christ. We want to be like followers of Jesus Christ, disciples. Jay became a pastor now. And Bruce became a missionary, serving the Lord in, in, in Asia. What I'm trying to say is this. God called us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not a story about some other people. No, it's all of us. We are disciples. We have to make disciples. In order for us to evangelize 7, uh, seven billion people, 7.2 billion, seven billion, plan A is this. As a believer, I go out and evangelize one thousand people a day. That's a lot. Tomorrow I go out and sh- evangelize one thousand. They come to know Christ. In order for me to evangelize everyone, seven million billion people, you know, it takes nineteen thousand eight hundred years to evangelize seven billion people. But since population increase every year, it is impossible. But plan business. I make disciples one person a year. Following year, two disciples now we do the same thing. It's a like multiplication. You know the power. It will take only 33 years to evangelize 7 billion people. If population increases, let's say 17 billion, doesn't matter. Following year will fulfill the, the task. No wonder Jesus commanded us to make disciples for us to as a church, to accomplish the mission. You and I, we have to be the mission, the disciples. Last point: uh, church motivation. What is church motivation? Jesus is coming again. This becomes a compelling motivation in the life of all believers. Nobody knows when he's gonna come back. But we have to live with anticipation of his second coming. Look at verse eleven. Men of Galilee, they say, "Why do you stand here looking into sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven." That was their motivation. So whenever early church believers, they, you know, they greet one another, they were saying, "Maranatha." You heard the expression, right? Maranatha. What's that mean? It means he's coming again. Our Lord come. That's what that means. They live as if he, they will see Jesus soon. Their motivation made them to live as a givers and not takers. Their motivation made them to live unselfish lives rather than selfish living. Their motivation made them to live with urgency so they can. They could boldly preach the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Aesop's fable, I love stories. Aesop's fable, let me just read for you. The lion and donkey and the fox went hunting together. And it was agreed that whatever was taken should be shared between them. They caught a large fat deer, which the lion ordered the donkey to divide. Donkey divided the deer into three pieces which should be as equal as possible. But lion was angry. He thought it wasn't fair. So lion flew upon the donkey and killed him. He then called on the fox to divide. The fox took only a tiny portion for himself and left the rest for the lion's share. The lion, highly pleased with fox. And ask him, where did you get the wisdom to divide this portion in such a way? Fox answered, I was, taught, I was taught it by the donkey. You know what? When I read this story, wow, that's a good story. Where do you get the wisdom? You get the wisdom by seeing others, how others end up. You know, at a at, at young age, some of you are very young, right? You think you will never die. If you start thinking, I'm going to die someday, that means you are getting old. I'm not kidding. At the young age, I thought, I will live forever. You know, whatever happens, that's their story, not my story. But you will realize sooner or later, people around you will pass away. We got to gain the wisdom, soon and very soon you and I will stand before the Lord. Soon and very soon. Life is short, right? And to church, this is, has to be our motivation. Soon we will stand before the Lord. Whether it's come back or we'll, we'll, we'll go to Him. On the day, on the day. i'm gonna uh end my message by uh sharing the the article that I read recently. There was a Dr. Lee whom I released back he's a educator a uh, good christian he became a christian i think he, he when he's like seventies and he's one of the leading scholar for you know, Korean education. He was addressing to young people, beginning of the year, that was the article I read. Uh, he, he mentioned, in order for uh, you to search what happened in the past, simple, you know, like he was talking about past, and present and future, in order for you to uh, gain knowledge about past, all you have to do is just search, through the internet. You can gain it. And he mentioned about future, you have to be more adventurous to grab the future. And he was mentioning about present. Uh, you have to, for present, you have to through meditation, you have to think a lot. I, 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 I did, wow, that was good. Dr. Lee, that's pretty deep. I like it. I, I kinda add my Christian flavor, though he's Christian. Talk about past. Don't think about past. Do not dare on the past. That's my recommendation. Because the Bible says, if anyone is in crisis, new creation. The old is gone. New has come. You know, we don't look back and live. Whatever the things that we have even done, glorious thing, forget about our past. Past is past. Do not dare on the past. We have to be future-oriented people. For the future, we live by faith. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Without faith, we cannot, you cannot, we cannot please our God. So we have to live by faith. For presence, what I want to recommend you to myself, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a spirit in us. He has to be filled with us so that we can be what God desires us to be. That's church. That's us. We got a message. We got a mission. We have a power. We have a might. And we'll soon Stand before the Lord. Let's pray together. God the Father has sent God the Holy Spirit to all the disciples of God the Son so that we have all the power necessary to meet the challenges of our lives. Lord, we give total control of our life to your Holy Spirit. We know when Holy Spirit control over our lives, Father God, we know something has to happen. Help us to rely on you, Lord. Fill us, Father God, with the Holy Spirit so that we can be whom we can be Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.